Warning, this podcast may contain explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Noisemaker Podcast, where we interview bands that you may have never found anywhere else. We are your number one spot for discovering all new music, get to know artists, understand what drives them, and hear from some of their top tracks. Join me, your host, Rocky Ferenberg, as we give rise to the underground world of music and set out to do what so many others have failed to, be a staple for the independent musician. Now, let's make some noise. Yeah. 
right, welcome back, everyone. This is episode 11 of the Noisemaker Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you are returning, then thank you. If you like what we're doing here, please like, subscribe, and rate us with a five-star review. We are on all your favorite streaming platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at NoisemakerPod. This is the Noisemaker Podcast, where we help you with that horrible problem that we all face, where to find new and original music. On the line with me is Hannah from Scarlet Canary. How you doing? Doing well. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Once again, it's just another weekend. We got some barbecue plans and stuff and uh, lots lots of busy stuff. We're trying to get some more more things taken care of for some recording we're trying to do on some projects I got going on. And it's just a back-to-back-to-back weekend, so... I know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's just dive right into this here. Um, kind of let's cover the basics. The the who's in the band? What instruments do they play? And do they do anything else for the band besides just play their their instruments? Well, Alan is our guitar player. He's also kind of our general manager, booking agent. You know, jack of all trades. Uh, we're all DIY, so we run everything. You know, just the resources within the band, and he kind of takes care of all of the professional business side of the band i'm the lead singer and i also do all of the graphic design and merch management for the band i dabble a little bit in the pr side but it's kind of new to me marcos is our bass player and he does a bulk of the writing he's actually kind of a little bit of a writing genius there and he's a really great asset in that side and then roll tide or marcus is our drummer and he's our comic relief so yeah. <laughs> it's always important to have one of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like our little brother. No one can pick on him, but we can. So, okay. Yeah, it's an all in the family thing right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so if, if I'm correct, you and Alan are married. Yeah, we are. So do you mind telling me a little bit about the dynamics of, of being married to, to a bandmate? I mean, I, I would think that you guys were together before the band, but, you know, how do you guys work together? And is what kind of boundaries do you guys have set up? Or is there any kind of boundaries to kind of keep work separate from personal? I mean, tell us a little bit about that kind of experience. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, But honestly, we view it as an asset. You know, when we're, when we're at a venue or when we're, we're talked in, like you said, we're, we're a guitar player and singer. We don't necessarily treat each other any different than we would as, you know, a married couple. We're not really huge on PDA or anything like that. Never have been. So <laughs> it's kind of easy to work with him as a bandmate. And then, you know, we'll steal moments every once in a while, you know, go back to the to the room or whatever, where we can like, you know, be husband and wife and kiss or yeah. hang out or snuggle or whatever it is you want to call it. But um, <laughs> we, uh, we steal little moments for ourselves, but honestly, when we're on the road, it's, it's more, it's business, you know, we're singer and, and guitar player and we just kind of operate as such. Great. Great. So let's talk a little bit about your homes. You guys are from, or Scarlet Canaries from Denver, Colorado. How would you describe the music scene in Denver, Colorado? Well, it's funny. Before we started touring, I would have said that Colorado had a bad scene. But now that we've been coast <laughs> to coast, I realize that we actually have something that's pretty special. We're kind of isolated. Uh, we don't really have a lot of industry influence in Colorado. It's just a lot of locals and, you know, with the occasional national act that comes through, festivals that come through. In other states, they'll have local stages, but they won't when they come through Colorado. So, you know, all of the bands, we all kind of banded together. And we kind of just support each other there, which I am finding out is not 
necessarily the truth anywhere else. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that, that is really cool. Over here in Idaho, we actually have uh, a relatively, what I would consider to be a pretty strong uh, local scene. All, a lot of the local bands, you know, we all come out and support one another at their shows and, and, and help each other out and, you know, move gear. I mean, help each other out with shows. There's not really a lot of cutthroat competition over here. So I think that that's, that does help the music scene wherever it may be. And it does help the musicians feel like they have a home rather than that everybody's out to get one another. I had somebody on from LA that said, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of competition out there and it's sink or swim. So I'm actually kind of fortunate that I don't live in that area. And it sounds like it's the same, same thing for you. Yeah. Well, and competition is good. And LA is a kind of totally different animal in and of itself. But, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a firm believer. Like I said, we've, we've played LA, we've played, you know, coast to coast, tons of different scenes. And I'm a firm believer that the scenes that at least support each other, you don't have to lift each other up and give each other, you know, every contact, every little number in your black book. But you have to at least, you have to be willing to go out to a show, you know, for your, for a band. Yeah. And I feel like uh, L.A. is a good example of this, but I feel like some scenes, um, unless you're the it show of the evening or you think you can get a leg up in your own career by going to said show, it's not attended. Yeah. So, I mean... I mean, fortunately for us, because we're a touring band, when we come through a uh, area like LA, we are the leg up because there are, every band sees us as, as an opportunity to book Colorado. So yeah. they come out and they get all excited, and then they realize that you know we are not part of that game. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We just we just like rock and roll and whiskey, man. Like that's what we want to do. So and chicken wings. I remember you guys like chicken wings from when, when you guys were down in oh, Burley. Yeah. <laughs> So let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the writing process. Well, if I was to sit in on a Scarlet Canary writing process, what would it look like? Well, like I said earlier, Marcos is kind of one of our main writers. Him and Alan really sit down and woodshop a lot of stuff. For a general, I mean, it changes from time to time. So from, you know, the start, usually they come together and make a riff or make a couple of riffs and put it together in kind of a general outline of a song. And then they bring it to me, and I write vocals over it, and then they bring it to Rolly, and he writes drums. Sometimes those steps are flops, but because I live with Alan, he's just, he, I tend to be the next step of the process once, this, once the bare bones of the song are created. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that would, I mean, yeah, obviously that would make sense to come to the other person you live with, whether it was your significant other or your roommate, and kind of use them as a, as a yeah. buffer for the next step. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I mean, Rolly's kid is at our place, because um, we're the band room, you know, the band house, but yeah. um, he doesn't, like, live with us, so he usually, sadly, ends up being the last part of the, the puzzle, <laughs> unless we happen to bring it up in band practice, or when we're getting together for a writing session, and then he gets to be a part of that initial process, but, yeah, I kind of get the, I kind of get the sneak peek behind the curtain on a lot of our music, and I get the, I get the jump start on him for those, so. Well, that's really crazy because whenever I write music, a lot of times because I don't sing, uh, you know, praise the Lord, you know, <laughs> but whenever I whenever I write music, I, I, you know, I have this kind of format that I have it to. And then usually I bring it to the I bring it to the drummer because I and I, I'll sing while we're kind of going through the motions and I kind of get the idea with the guitar and the drums kind of at least formatted. So then we can bring it to the, the you know, vocalist and the bassist. So then the vocalist has like, you know, a way, a, you know, format, a foundation to kind of uh, begin, you know, developing. A, a melody over so the writing process is so different for all the bands and i think that it's always fascinating to hear how people kind of run through the process yeah 
Well, that's why I said it's kind of weird that, you know, after the, 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 you know, bare bones of everything is kind of put together, that it goes to me. Because a lot of times, you're right, it goes to the full band and then the vocals are like the last thing that happened. So, uh, right here, I, I saw on your guys' website that you guys have some, uh, some accolades and some achievements. Do you mind talking a little bit about some of the achievements that you've had? Yeah, I mean, we mainly were uh, nose to the ground, kind of keep to ourselves, hardworking bands. But occasionally, people like to recognize us for things that we do. We recently won, I believe it was the best female-fronted band for Z98 in Iowa, um, a really prominent radio station out there, and we love them. They're really great and super nice to us, but they nominated us this last year as the best female-fronted band, which is really cool. You know, we've we've just done a bunch of different things. We've played a bunch of festivals, and we've toured a lot, and we play 100 to 150 shows a year. We're always on the road, always working hard. Uh, we're very fortunate that a lot of radio stations have picked up our music and spun our tracks and kind of helped us out in that in that regard and helped us reach new fans. But, yeah, as far as... Mainly for us, it's 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 just hard work, man. We um, any kind of any kind of accolade or any kind of award or reward that we get, it's uh, for us. It's just like, oh, okay, great. Now I need to work harder. So. <laughs> <laughs> great. That's 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 important. It's always uh, it's always on to the next step rather than being uh, satisfied and content with what you get. It's a it's a celebration and then on to the next step. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So why don't you tell us a little bit about the song we heard at the top of the show? That song was called Antidote, I believe. Yeah, um, Antidote is the second track off of our newest album, Perspective. And um, the whole album is kind of a concept album. Um, each of the songs follows a different stage of grief and loss. I don't know if you know anything about the seven stages, but it's a, it's a generally accepted philosophy or way of, way of attacking a loss or grief in someone's um, life. And the stages, like I said, they go in order with the songs. Uh, we combine the first two stages and, and the first song, I'll Be Okay, just because, you know, we didn't really, it's shock and denial, and I feel like they kind of go hand in hand. But Antidote is the second stage, which is anger. And sadly, we had um, we had a lot, when we were writing this album, we had written a really happy album, you know, uh, lots of, you know, drinking songs and fun songs and things like that. And we had a bunch of trauma, um, lots of loss, family death, Gardens committing suicide, disease, you know, between cancer and just other things. I mean, just a really, really tough year. And I know everybody goes through that, but for us specifically, we write music to, to kind of help ourselves get through problems in life. And before all these things had happened, like I said, we wrote a happy album and then things happened to us and we weren't happy anymore. So um, we kind of wrote this album as a way for us to get through the things that we experienced. And I wrote Antidote after my friend. A, a local friend who was in a local band in Colorado, he um, he killed himself. And as I stated, each each of the songs is a different stage you go through. So this one happened to be anger, and I wrote about him because at the time I was very angry that he that he had committed suicide. I wasn't mad at him for doing it. I was mad at him for what it did to everybody else. And I wrote this song to kind of work through that emotion. Yeah, that's what Anna's about. Kind of a Debbie Downer, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot of music, a lot of musicians, you know, they write a lot of songs and a surprising amount of musicians write music uh, addressing uh, suicide. Most of the time they've known somebody who's committed suicide. I've known people that have uh, overdosed on drugs. I've known people that have been shot and uh, I've known people that have killed themselves. And uh, going through some of my own uh, pers- fighting my personal demons and going through different types of uh, counseling and treatment, I actually have been very, very familiar with the uh, seven stages of grief. I I 
I actually completely forgot about that element of uh, recovery um, until you actually said it. So mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of a nice little callback to stuff that I've learned throughout my life as well. Mm-hmm. So, well, and like I said, we wrote we we wrote this album so that we could you know help ourselves get through it. I mean, I'm the vocalist and I write all of the lyrics and everything. And I mean, my grandma went through chemo and I didn't know anything about it until you know after it was all said and done and. I mean, this is my, my grandma is one of my favorite people in the whole world. So, you know, it was just very, it was just very difficult. And all of us, all of us went through different things. And like I said, it's this specific song was about him, but I mean, every song on the album is a different stage and it really is like, you do get through it. You do get hopeful at the end, you know? And so I, I always like to emphasize that though this song is about anger and, and, and my anger at my friend for committing suicide, it's not that I am still angry at him. It was just one part one emotion, one snapshot in time that I felt. And as we got through it, obviously, you know, you, you, you go through the rest of the stages and, and you come out on the other end with acceptance and, and moving forward. So. Yes, yes, I uh, 100% agree with that. The The next song that we have coming up, though, is called Spectral, Spectral correct? Yes, it is. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what this song is about and, and what this song kind of means to you or to the band? Yeah, Spectral is the third song on the album, and it's the third stage of grief, which is bargaining. And at this point, you've gone through the shock and uh, the shock of the initial whatever it is, trauma, and the denial that it even happened. And you're past the anger phase, and now you're bargaining. So specifically, the song, when I wrote it, it was about the lyrics anyway. For me, it was about, you know, whether, I mean, whether you believe in God or a greater power or it's just yourself. But it's bargaining with whatever that, that greater being or that side of yourself is to try to, to, try to get back what you lost. You're trying to make a deal with the devil, essentially, for lack of a better analogy here, but um, a deal with the devil to, to just not deal with it. And that's kind of kind of what the song is about. Is It's about asking for some way to go back to how it used to be. All right, this is Spectral by Scarlet Canary.
play guitar like me? Hey y'all, this is Rocky Farnberg from the Noisemaker Podcast, and I wanted to tell you all about warming guitars. We all know that tone is the soul of the guitar, and pickups create that perfect sound. Still, the price of pickups can really break the bank. These guys at Warming Guitars crank out some rad pickups at an affordable price. I have been a boutique pickups guy my whole life. However, I find that the tone I pull out of Warman's pickups is comparable to top manufacturers without the outrageous markup. I endorse Warman Guitars as a common sense alternative to pickups, and right now, Warman Guitars is offering exclusively to my listeners 20% off. That's right, when you go to warmingguitars.co.uk and enter Noisemaker20 at checkout, you'll receive 20% off your purchase. These pickups are already ridiculously affordable, and yet, Warman wants to offer the listeners of the Noisemaker podcast an additional 20% off by entering Noisemaker20 at checkout. So take a minute and visit my friends over at warmingguitars.co.uk and pick up your 20% off when you use Noisemaker20 at checkout. Warming Guitars, a new heritage. All right, so we're back with Hannah from Scarlet Canary, and you guys are a super hardworking band. So let's talk a little bit about the work that you guys actually put in. Um, I've actually known you guys for a little while, and I've seen Scarlet Canary embark on a few tours through social media, uh, most recently the Tours Light Tour. So how much work actually goes into consistently being present in the touring scene? A lot more than people think. Um, a lot of people look at being a band or touring as kind of a um, a vacation or a um, you know a glamorous kind of experience, but it's really not. I mean, there's a lot of driving. There's a lot of sitting in a car. There's a lot of waiting at a venue before doors, sound checking, moving a lot of heavy gear in and out of places. Um, and I mean, there's always the negative side of touring where you go to a new market, nobody shows, and you still have to throw down to the bartender, and it's not <laughs> fun, and it's not you know, but then you get the good shows. I mean, we were just in Lewiston, Idaho last night and uh, playing third wheel. And it's one of my favorite venues on this entire tour to play. And it was great to see all of our, you know, all of our, our fans, our friends, you know, the people that support us. And no matter how many times, you know, how long it, it goes between visits, they always come out and they're always ready to listen to music and they're always enthusiastic. And I mean, that's the good side of touring, but the bad side is the logistics. And like I said, being in the van for hours and hours on end and sleeping in the van, uh, not every band goes and gets hotel rooms, believe it or not. So, and we tour in a minivan, so it actually, there's a lot of room, surprisingly, but it's still not a bed. It's still not your bed. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And just to book the tour from the get-go, too, it's very difficult to contact and all of these different venues and, and people and coordinate and get locals and get everybody on board for promotion. I mean, luckily I don't have to do any of that. Alan does all that. You know, I just get to do the fun, pretty <laughs> stuff like make designs for t-shirts, but uh, no, it's, it, there's a lot that goes into it. So, and, and fans don't realize how much them coming to a show means, oh, you yeah. know, everyone has things that get in the way, you know, life pops up and, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't make it, but it's, it's crazy how much that hurts you know, a band like us. Yeah. You know, we don't have anyone backing us. We don't have anyone really giving us a leg up. It's all just our hard work and, and what we want to put into it. And when people come out, like I said, it, it's really great. It makes you feel like what you're doing is worthwhile outside of just writing music. Yeah. I can certainly echo that feeling when you have people, especially people that have been, uh, 
saying that they're going to come out to a show or, or, or you have maybe a Facebook event and it says, you know, you've got 200 people coming out and you show up and there's 25. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, it can be crushing at times, but we kind we kind of talked a little bit about radio a little bit earlier. And so Scarlet Canary's music has been played on a, a number of radio stations, um, terrestrial and, um, internet radios alike do you think that radio is a good medium to reach people in today's market i think it is if you have the right connection if you get spun by a local person who wants to you know kind of help you out um that's great but in order to really make an impact you need to get spun at drive time and the dj needs to plug your name a million times and you know you need to have sponsored ads and all kinds of stuff on the radio and I mean, if you're a band that has financial means or, or the management connections to do that, you're going to get to the top a lot faster. But the way that we do it is, you know, we work with, we work with local DJs and we build a connection and, you know, they, they come to the show and they see us throw down and they, they have a little skin in the game. They want, they want to help yeah. us because they, they see how hard we're working. And at least for us, I mean, it would be nice if some, you know, mystery investor came down and gave us billions of dollars and we could just shoot right to the top like Bad Wolf or someone else like that, you know, but we don't have that, man. We just got, we just have what we have right here in the van, which is our music, our attitudes and the hard work and the people that want to help us. So radio definitely is worth it, but it's very difficult for a band uh, who doesn't have the money to put into it, I guess. <laughs> kind of like everything else when you're a band who, you know, isn't, you know, part of that elite group, I guess, with people up there at the top. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. Even even uh, even being a, a DIY musician, you still have to rely a lot on on other people to do to still do their jobs. And so yeah. so even like with working with radio, you still have to rely on somebody else to go out there and 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 help promote you and help plug you, despite the fact that you as the band are doing a vast amount of the legwork to mm -hmm. to achieve those goals. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And uh, like you said, when they have a little skin in the game, whether it's monetarily earned or hard work earned, either way, if they actually want to try to help, then that's going to go miles further than, you know, just being like, hey, play my band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't respond as well to that. So no, what what kind of ethics would you think you need to have between bandmates, club owners, booking agents, fans, etc.? Um, just mainly to hold to what you say you're going to do. If you're a band and you agree to play a show, show up, don't can you know, don't cancel. Um, if you're a band and they tell you load in is a floor show before, be prompt, be precise, be there. Um, load your stuff off stage quick. If you have a 15 minute changeover, that doesn't mean you get 15 minutes to grab a drink and break your drum kit down on stage. You need to take your stuff off because the other band has that amount of time as well to get up and play their set. Bar owners and venue owners, if you're going to book a band and you say you're going to book them, then book them. You know, set up the show, get the locals, actually hold to, if there's a guarantee or any kind of logistics, hold to it. You know, life gets in the way, I get it, but at the same time, we're all businessmen here and we're all relying on each other for this to work, which means that everybody, like you said, has to do their part. Yeah, that's for sure. We I actually had a band on just uh, recently, and actually, you know, you guys know who they are. I had a, a Cody from Zamtrip on here. Oh yeah, I love and those kids. he, yeah, yeah, and he was actually talking about how one of the hardest things about music was not 
you know, basically being screwed over by uh, promoters, venue owners, you know, and, and having to keep plugging along, you know, even though, you know, they may say you're going to get a $400 guarantee show up and they only give you a hundred bucks. You know, you just got to kind of keep, keep moving on, you know, possibly not do business with them in the future. But he's like, you know, that's, that's something that happens to people and, and it, and it sucks, but you know, what, what are you going to do kind of thing? And I thought that that was kind of a, kind of a garbage thing for people to do to, to traveling musicians. But, you know, I guess, I guess, I guess it happens, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's a different world that we live in today. Um, With the introduction of internet into the music industry, um, it really kind of changed the game. In the 70s and 80s, bands were um, appreciated. You know, music and live entertainment was something that people wanted. Bands could tour and they would play the same area for a week at a time. And when they got to the venue, you know, there was a band house above the venue and they had a place to stay, a place to sleep, food, payment. Then they'd move on to the next place. There, that doesn't exist anymore. I've only found one venue in the entirety of the United States that we've played that actually has that kind of feel and it's hijinks in Port Atkinson. They welcome you. They are incredibly kind. They hold to their, to what they say they're going to do. They have a really great natural draw at the bar. Really, really, really good staff. And there's a, there's an apartment above that fans can stay in if you're tired and, you know, you're on the road and you just need a place to lay your head and you don't have money for a hotel room. You don't want to sleep in your van. They give you everything possible that they can to help you succeed. And that just doesn't exist in any places anymore. Um, it's all about bottom line and how many people are through the door. And so that's important. It's also your business is like only going to, going to be successful because of the bands you bring in. Your business has to be successful yeah. on its own. And then on top of it, the bands you bring in have to bring a crowd and have to be an added asset. If you're, if you're relying 100% on an artist who's touring through the United States to bring 800 people to every show, I don't care who you are unless they're a big national act. You're going to be disappointed. Yeah. It's uh, it, the band is like the icing on the cake of your successful uh, club. Yeah. So if, if you could throw, if you could throw any kind of a parade of any caliber, what, what would you have the parade be about and what would your parade consist of? It would be in new Orleans and it would be a drinking parade. <laughs> That's like one of my dreams. I want to go. You can pay. You can literally pay people in New Orleans. I think it's like a hundred bucks and you can have a whole parade for whatever. And I would go to New Orleans and I would start a parade and it would be amazing. That's, I want to do that. That's, that's not even a joke. That's a hundred percent what I wanted. So I picked, I picked the right, uh, right question for you then. Yes. You already have this planned out. <laughs> New Orleans drinking parade 2019, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> make it so <laughs> <laughs> so so the next track we got here is going to be i'll be okay and so give us a little bit of background on i'll be okay what it's about and, and whatever else yeah i'll be okay is the first track on perspective it is shock and denial the first two stages of grief and loss and it is literally just that it's you can look at the lyrics or if you listen to the lyrics it's it's literally about that initial impact of whatever it was, like I said, whether it's the death of a friend or the breaking up of a relationship, but it's that initial moment when your, your brain kind of freezes and your heart kind of stops and you, you can't accept what's going on in front of you. You know what's happening, but you can't, you can't deal with it. I mean, that's what the song's about. Great. This is going to be Scarlet Canary. I'll be okay. Reach out, I find myself 
for a professional screen printer? Ghost Town Hardware has high quality staff to accommodate all your screen printing needs. Are you in a band, on a sports team, or looking for company t-shirts? Whatever it may be, Ghost Town Hardware provides skilled professionals that will complete the job on time. Ghost Town Hardware strives to provide the best product at the perfect price. I have personally used Ghost Town Hardware several times in the past. Not only did my band repeatedly purchase shirts, stickers, and more, but I also used Ghost Town Hardware to provide attire for my event staff. I have been treated fairly and with respect, which is not something everyone can say. Right now, for new clients, Ghost Town Hardware is offering 60% off all setup fees when you use the promo code NOISEMAKER60. Once again, Ghost Town Hardware is taking over half of the setup fee price off for new clients when you use NOISEMAKER60. To redeem your 60% off setup fees, just email Josh at gthardware at gmail.com. That's G-T-H-A-R-D-W-E-A-R at gmail.com. Or you can call at 208-731-3566. Again, that's 208-731-3566. And use the promo code NOISEMAKER60 to get 60% off your setup fees. Ghost Town Hardware, quality over quantity. Some restrictions may apply. So we have Hannah from Scarlet Canary here for just a few more minutes. And the next question I wanted to ask you is, is, for for all the members of the band, I mean, I know probably it's more limited for you, but what what part of your gear do you believe is most important to your sound? For me, it's my microphone. I'm very fortunate that I work with a company that really backs bands and bands that have a really high work ethic. I'm sponsored by Electric Voice EV Mics, and I run the ND96, and it is by far the best microphone I've ever owned in my life. I've tried multiple companies, and they all have benefits, but this microphone is the only one that I've ever found that actually cap- has the ability to capture, you know, the highs, the lows, and my screams with a really robust and dynamic sound. I mean, it's it's just one of the best microphones I've ever... Like, I don't even have to be sponsored by them. I could literally tell you that it's the best microphone out there. <laughs> um, you know, this isn't a shameless plug or, like, I'm not getting paid to say this. Uh, this is just me, 100%. Touring musician, 100-plus shows a year. This microphone doesn't quit. It's a great, great product. Did you have this microphone before uh, they sponsored you, or did you did you get this microphone after the sponsorship came about? Uh, I actually won it, surprisingly oh, enough. Nice. Um, we um, yeah, there's a magazine called Performer Magazine, and they're really super great people, and they do really awesome um, giveaways and merch bundles and or not merch bundles, but product bundles and reviews for the website. And they work with a ton of different companies, and I just on and off. You know, off chance, I submitted us for this microphone package. 
one of our local friends in Minnesota called Kingdom runs nothing but Electroloid. And they had suggested that it was a really good microphone. Um, and I was in the market for a new one, so I just submitted us and we won. And we got to take these microphones in to the studio and record with them. Actually, most of Perspective was recorded with, at least the drums, was recorded with um, Electro Voice mics. And they were great. I mean, they, they killed it. Absolutely fantastic microphones, and, and they captured the drums beautifully. And so afterward, when we went to uh, NAM, we go to NAM like every other year um, to for our various sponsors and stuff like that to go do um, demos and workshops and things. And I I got to meet everybody. I got to meet the guys in Performer Magazine, and I got to meet everybody over at Electro Voice, and they were incredibly welcoming. And they asked about the band, and they asked about touring, and I don't know, they just, they instantly were, you know, you, you meet a lot of really, I guess, harsh people in the music industry, people that assume you're only out to get something out of them or, you know, that don't necessarily want to help. And Electro Voice was the complete opposite. They were they were very interested in us and they were very kind and supportive. And so since then, I have done pretty much nothing but use their microphones and I can't, I'm not upset about it. It's their great products. So. <laughs> I had an Electro Voice, uh, I think it was a, it was a, E zero dash something or zero E something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, we used it for a long time and we, uh, we actually used it at the beginning of, uh, my band's, uh, or origin, you know, and then we wound up moving over to some other microphones and blue and some other stuff. Anyways, that, uh, electro voice was, was a really nice microphone. And, uh, I think, I think what actually wound up happening was it, uh, it stopped working. I bought it used from, um, a metal band and they didn't treat their stuff very well, but it worked when I bought it. And I think that it mm-hmm. just, it just, you know, was hanging on by the last thread and it just finally gave up, but it was a really nice microphone. It was, it, it you didn't have to crank up the volume. It, it, it put, you know, the output was great. It was, it was pretty solid. So, yeah. They make really good products, man. I mean, they're not one of the typical ones you think of. I mean, you think of Sure and Sennheiser and all of that, but I mean, they really, they make a good, really good microphone. And the ND series is their live series. They have an, the ND76, which is, you know, the, it's more um, akin to like a 58, you know, a Sure 58. Bulletproof, it doesn't break, and it's it's fantastic. But I like the 96. It's the top-end one, and you can always tell it's the 96 because it has a flat-top grill on the mic yeah so you know how there's normally a round cone on the top this one's flat on the yeah top. that's the way our that's the way ours was too it was it was kind of like a it looked almost looked like it had a flat top haircut mm-hmm, exactly yeah well and it's really helpful because then i don't smack myself in the face as much when i headbang with it because it's flat round i tend to just beat myself up with it so yeah and it always sucks when you catch your teeth on the grill too Oh yeah, I've done that a few times. Not fun. <laughs> so what what was your absolute favorite show and why there's too many. I mean, as far as big shows, I think one of my favorite shows that we played was Rockfest in um, Cadott, Wisconsin. Uh, we got to open up for, we had four hour-long sets throughout the day, and we were um, right next to the main stage, so we were the band in between the main stage acts. So we got to open up for Stone Tower and Avenged Sevenfold, and, you know, I mean, just so many really good bands. And they were all really super nice and welcoming as well. And I mean, there's, it's a festival. There's tons of people there and they were all super encouraging. And most of them have come out to our Wisconsin shows then, which is really cool. As far as local shows and stuff, it kind of depends on the venue and the full experience. Sometimes the small shows are my favorite. I love dive bars, man. Small, intimate crowds and venues that really put love and effort into their, into their stages and, and, you know, their rooms, even if they're tiny and they're run down, they, they really show, it shows that they care about it. So, I mean, there's, there's a couple of small places like Hijinx. Hijinx is a really great venue. 
and it's it's not a huge concert hall, but man, God, they really love that place, and I love it because they love it. <laughs> but yeah, just there's, I mean, there's too many. We play a hundred shows a year, so you know, there's too many. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm just very fortunate that you know we get we are able to go on the road and tour, and people continue to have us back um, all the time. So pretty much every show has something amazing about it that I don't, you know, that I, I would never give up. <laughs> If there was a younger musician listening to this and you had an opportunity to pass along some words of wisdom, what would that wisdom be? Um, your dreams will be ruined. The The music industry is incredibly corrupt and it's incredibly, um, I mean, it, it's like high school. There's cliques and there's, you know, people that don't work hard and get things they shouldn't. And there's people that work really hard and never make it. There's bands that are super talented and don't get heard by the right people and just don't have the opportunities presented to them. And sadly, because of the world that we live in with the internet, it's incredibly easy to be a band. There's no barrier to entry. So just be ready to have your dreams crushed. But if it's something you really love, then fight for it. Because, you know, music is one of those few things in the world. It's a universal language. Someone out there agrees with you. Somebody out there feels the way you do. And it's really a unique, interesting, and amazing thing to be able to connect with those people and realize you're not alone. Wow, I actually do think that that was probably one of the most uh, amazing things I've heard to a question like that. That's incredibly true right there. That's, it is, it's so, it, it really is. It's so, it's, there are people out there that get things that they don't deserve. And there are people out there that work really hard and uh, never get, you know, the, the due credit that they deserve. And I think that's incredibly, incredibly true. So, yeah. This section I have right here is kind of aimed for you to be able to plug whatever you want, throw any kind of shout outs you want. Uh, you can tell people where they can find your music, whatever you want to put here. This is all you. I will go ahead and link to all your music and social media, whatever you like in the show notes. But this is all open for you to be able to throw shout outs or plug anything you want. Sure. Just find us online. We're the, pretty much the only thing that comes up when you search Scarlet Canary. Follow us on our, our social media. Follow us on Bands in Town. It's a really great app. It'll literally tell you when we're in town. It takes all the guesswork out of going to a show. And come to a show. We, I mean, we can be an internet band all you want, but the only way music is going to survive is if you come to a show, if you're, a physical warm body is in the venue. So, you know, buy the music online, enjoy our YouTube channel, enjoy our SoundCloud, enjoy our Instagram and our Facebook, but come to a show. That's the most <laughs> important. <laughs> Well, it's been really fun chatting with you. Let's go ahead and wrap up with this last song. It is called Don't Be Afraid. So tell us a little bit about Don't Be Afraid. Don't Be Afraid was actually the only track that we had pretty much written before we decided to scrap the Happy album. This one, I don't know if you remember the story about Christina, uh, Christina Grimmy in, I think it was Florida. She was a performer and she was shot after a show. Alan, I know you're like, wait a minute, this is supposed to be a happy song. Uh, <laughs> but Alan, uh, you know, he's my husband. So he instantly, when he saw that, he wanted to put me in a little bubble and not let me talk to anybody. <laughs> you know, he wanted to be the protective husband that would never let his wife get hurt. Yeah. Especially because, you know, she was protected by security and a crazy guy just came up and shot her. You know, it's a horrible, horrible thing. But for me, the way I look at it is no matter where you are, in life. I mean, we're sitting in a car right now on the side of the highway talking to you. Someone could lose control and careen right into this van and we would be dead. Yeah. If that's what it's going to happen, it's what's going to happen. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to live in a world where I'm scared to just do what I love. And that's why we wrote the song is no matter where you are in your life, something that's going to happen to you or something that is, you know, bad, all of these things are, are possibilities. But if you live in fear consistently, you're never actually going to live. 
So don't be afraid to try things. Don't be afraid to live your life because that's really the only thing you're in control of. Well, thanks a lot. That's the truer words. Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> so this is Don't Be Afraid by Scarlet Canary.
I had a good time talking with Hannah from Scarlet Canary. And towards the end of the interview here, she actually said a number of different things that I found to be truly inspirational. It was kind of a, a shock, not that I didn't think that she had anything inspirational to say, but it's always great to hear somebody with a really rock solid mindset have something important to say and i just really think that uh she hit the nail on the head with several of the different questions we had uh, you know for everything from all this the seriousness of uh the questions and the seriousness of the the music that they're writing all the way down to the fact that she already had a parade planned out so <laughs> she was just spot on with so much stuff and that's not just uh in the interview scarlet canary was a band that was underrated by me initially when I first was going to share the stage with them and they completely blew me away when they played live. Today me and my old bass player still talk about how amazing it was to see them live versus what they sound like on a record. So Hannah says to get out to a show so I would definitely encourage you to take to heed her advice and get out to a show. These guys will not disappoint. Be sure to tune in next time as we'll have an alternative rock band from San Jose, California. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Please like, share, subscribe, give us a five-star review. I've included links to the band's pages and their music in the show notes. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at NoisemakerPod. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at NoisemakerPod at gmail.com. Until next time, don't stop following your dreams.